You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hello, welcome back to the show. Well, welcome to the show. If it's your first time, I always say welcome back because I'm always coming back. It's not, it's not my first time. But, uh, you know, I'm here and that's what matters, I suppose. Um, you know, I just wanted to bring something up because the impending Black Friday holiday is upon us. Uh, a few people messaged me last week. They were trying to use the tonemob.com slash reverb link about, uh, uh, well, I guess it was just a couple days ago, about the time all those blacked out pedals came out. And they got a, a, a notice that said, hey, uh, someone is trying to steal your information. Don't use this link. And I thought it was a thought it was a problem on my end, uh, so I dug and dug into my website trying to figure out why it was doing that. Turns out it wasn't my link that was the problem; it was theirs. So it still works. Uh, if you're not comfortable using it while that message pops up, I totally understand. But uh, just know that it still does work, and everything's fine, and no one's trying to steal any of your information. But they're working on it, and they will be back to me with the, an update whenever that's fixed. But in the meantime. Uh, if you still want to use that link to help support the show, you just have to click through that says, yes, I still want to go to that website. It's all, it's just me and Reverb. Those are the only ones uh, involved here. And so once they get that fixed, it should all go away. Maybe even by the time you hear this message, it might already be fixed. So fingers crossed for that because Black Friday is nearly upon us. And I know there's going to be some smoking deals over there. And if you could be so kind to use that link, tonemob.com slash Reverb, that will help keep this show humming along and it won't cost you anything extra or anything like that. So, uh, yes, that's enough of that nonsense for now. I uh, just want to put in one more reminder about the Facebook group. Some people have been listening to this show for years don't realize that there is a Facebook group attached to it. There's a couple thousand of us in there nerding out about food, gear, and basically anything else that comes up on this podcast. So it's a it's a good time, and it's a, it's a real positive place. We work really hard to keep it that way. So if you're a negative Nancy, uh, well, I guess stay out. We don't want you there anyway. Uh, so um, anyway, uh, my guest today is Bob Bruno from the band Best Coast. Uh, he's got a really interesting story. He's done a lot of really cool things, and uh, he has a, just a really cool attitude about it. He's just such a awesome dude, and I won't get into... Uh, revealing any of that because you're about to listen to a podcast with him. So without further ado, here is Bob Bruno from Best Coast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Weiland. And with me today, I have Bob Bruno from Best Coast. What's going on, man? Oh, not much. Just uh, sitting here with my cat. Oh, what's your cat's name? Uh, his name is Little Dude. Uh, that is phenomenal. He's not very little. <laughs> no, he's like almost 20 pounds. Oh, <laughs> a 20 pound cat? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I That's... just put him on a diet because he got a little too big. Uh, what are you feeding that thing? Uh, it's regular cat food. I think I was just giving him a little too much, so it's... I scaled it back. Are cats like goldfish and they'll just eat until they they die? Is that how that works? This one definitely would. Uh, <laughs> I've had other cats that aren't like that, but this guy, he, that's all he wants to do is eat. Uh, I like this cat. I think him and I would get along really well. <laughs> Seems like a... He likes people. And he likes He's food. very friendly. He likes food. Yeah. That's what's more important. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why we relate so much, him and I. I think that is entirely why uh, Mr. Ryan Rotaisky from Fuzzrocious hooked us up because he knew that both of us were uh, were fans of the edible, uh, you know, <laughs> edible things. We like we like Definitely. our we like our foods. Uh, we maybe we can get into that later. And, and in fact, I'm almost I almost guarantee we're going to get into that, but, uh, <laughs> which is perfect. But uh, I guess we should start from the top and maybe introduce yourself for any of the listeners who aren't familiar. And we can go through your musical backstory and, you know, how that led to where you are today. And then we can get into the gear and whatever other kind of nonsense comes up. Cool. So my name is Bob Bruno. I play guitar in the band Best Coast. Um, on the records, I play guitar and bass, a little bit of keyboards and stuff. 
And we've been a band for like 10 years now, uh, which is pretty crazy because it was just something we started in my bedroom uh, with like zero aspirations to do anything. We just made a bunch of songs and they got put online and people really responded to them. And so we just have finished making our fourth full length record um, and that'll be out next year. Cool. Cool. Well, uh, so let's t- talk about the band a little bit. Like I, I, I mean, I know a lot of the listeners have heard you guys, but I know a lot of them haven't. So what, what kind of style is it? How would you describe it? Um, initially when we started, we kind of got lumped in with like the lo-fi kind of like bedroom rock category, which was totally valid. Um, you know, we were just recording in my bedroom, just kind of blown out, distorted pop songs. Um, and, uh, then I don't know, we've just been progressing and now it's like a bit more rock and not lo-fi production like pretty much the the early singles in the first records were the only first record actually were the only ones that you could call lo-fi the second one we did at capitol studios with john bryan uh that's hard to be lo-fi yeah 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 (laughs) he was like one of my favorite producers and musicians and uh it was funny uh, in my Facebook memories today, it was there's a post I did eight years ago when we were making that record, and it was the day that Paul McCartney stopped by in the studio, which was just like mind blowing. Like I couldn't even talk really because he was in the studio next door, um, doing working on something, and they brought him into our studio. To uh, John had a piece of gear that he had gotten from Abbey Road, I think. And they wanted to show it to Paul. And he came in and was super nice and was just immediately, he started, he's like, oh yeah, I remember that thing. We would do this and this, you know, back at when we were making, I forget whatever record he referenced. Cause I was just kind of in awe. And uh, so yeah, that happened eight years ago today. That's um, amazing. Yeah. Something I won't forget ever. Was he like I, I I you know I've never been that close to somebody on that level. Does he did he have like security and stuff, or is he just kind of chilling? How does that work when you're Paul McCartney? No, it was just him, and uh, he was working with uh, Al Schmidt, who is has a place at Capitol. And um, yeah, they just came in, and I would see him in the hall. Like the next day, I saw him in the hallway, and he's like, "Oh, hey, how's it going?" And I was like, "Oh, that's crazy." Um, but yeah, he was super nice and yeah, didn't have a huge entourage or anything. That's crazy. That's crazy. That had to have felt like, you know, the, the closest thing I can relate that to, which is not close really at all is the the first time I saw Jack White live. He's, he was somebody (laughs) that like I'd seen on TV and seen, you know, in various capacities my whole life, but like actually seeing him like, oh, he is a real person. He's not like some (laughs) comic book superhero. And I feel like Paul would be even you know, like I would be like, I don't even know if I'm awake right now. Am I alive? Am I talking to Paul McCartney right now? <laughs> like, yeah, it almost dreamy. Yeah. And then then I think it was the next day I pulled up and in the Capitol lot, they put these little signs with your name on them where your parking spot is. OK. And the one next to my spot just said S Wonder. And I was like, oh, wow. But I didn't get to see Stevie, but he was in the studio next door with Paul working on some duet or maybe it's a Christmas record or something. I don't remember what they're doing. Wow. But just to even know that he was in the building was like, I kept hoping I would see him that day. I <laughs> just keep looking around. <laughs> yeah. Bob, you're supposed to be recording um, guitar. Yeah, but I'm trying to find Stevie. Just hold on. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're all like hoping to, to see Stevie. <laughs> Yeah, that's, but we that's incredible. That. Um, so you so yeah, sorry for the sidetrack <laughs> there. Oh um, no, not at all. No, this is this is uh, what podcasting's all about, is the side <laughs> the sidetracking. That's that's totally fun. Carry on. Um so, yeah, we've just uh you know made a bunch of records, toured a lot. Uh 
This has actually been the longest break we've had uh, since we've been a band, which is like two two years where we haven't done, you know, a long tour. Uh, so we're starting back up uh, end of February 2020. So I can't wait. Nice. It's like you've got the itch. Then you're you're ready to you're ready to rock and roll. Ready to go. Oh yeah, I love touring. So it's it's been a drag not being able to do it. But you know, I also love being in the studio. So it's all good. Yeah, I've I've never toured, and I never really wanted to tour. But uh, I, I've it's it's weird how different people kind of. Uh, process that whole experience you know some people just absolutely love it and some people hate it so much <laughs> it's i yeah. think i could fall, see myself falling into the hate it category real quick um but i don't really know what what are some yeah, of the, it, what are the, some of the things you like about touring uh well number one is just getting to play like almost every night is the best part and mm -hmm. then uh you know when you've done it as long as I have, uh, in a lot of cities, you have like favorite food places you want to go to or record stores or, you know, music shops and also friends in cities. And that's like your one time you get to see them every year. Or, you know, if you're lucky, you might see them twice in a year. Um, the drags, uh, just missing my cat really. And <laughs> I, <laughs> I cook at home a lot so i definitely miss that when i'm on tour oh yeah um because you know that's pretty much i i cook a ton of food like every other week so oh um, we're gonna and it's like really i know what the last half of this podcast is gonna be about. <laughs> this is gonna be awesome ryan was right <laughs> <laughs> um so, so you know, kind of, you, yeah, I know you compressed a lot of that into sort of a, sh a short and sweet uh, time span there. But one thing, since we're talking about gear and, and whatnot, how, like, how has your gear changed over the years? Obviously, you started out in the bedroom, ended up in Capital. There's got to be some pretty significant uh, changes, I would imagine, from that those early days. Yeah, I mean, pretty much since I had my first real job. I just started buying gear and that was like kind of mid or like, yeah, early nineties, I guess. Um, there were some cool shops around town where you could buy used stuff and it was slightly before the first like vintage craze happened here. Mm -hmm. And then for a while, like all that stuff became kind of unaffordable, but I always just gravitated gravitated towards uh just like weird pedals that nobody wanted and that were very affordable for me or the same with audio equipment or any kind of instruments and stuff and uh just i've been doing that you know ever since so there's a lot of gear as far as things that changed um i have a lot more guitars now um you know once we started touring and making money and stuff um you know, I think if, when Best Coast started, I had maybe like four, I had like two or three basses and then like maybe four guitars. And now, uh, I don't know, I, it's hard to keep track of how many <laughs> I know things the I have, uh, but it's a lot. But yeah, mostly um, just more pedals, um, some cool pieces of outboard gear that I've always wanted. Um, and a couple nice microphones, like nothing too crazy, but you know, when you're not making any money, like any one piece of gear just seems like, you know, uh, something you're working several months to attain. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, so then <laughs> when you get like your first big check or whatever, you kind of go nuts and buy, you know, it's a lot of like wish fulfillment stuff. <laughs> I've wanted this for so long. I need yeah, every yeah. Big Muff variant. Why do you need that? Because <laughs> I do. Just shut your mouth. I just do. Yeah. For me, it was like, I just need, <laughs> I want like the Ibanez, uh, whatever, the tone locks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, oh, oh, I love that series so much. I love the tone yeah. lock series. 
The DE7 is, is one of my favorite delays ever. I love the DE7. Yeah, that's that one I don't have, but I know it's great. Um, I, I almost bought one a couple weeks ago, but I did not. If it's still there, I'll be back in Seattle, then I'll, I'll probably get it. But I I'll did keep... just get the bass synth one. Oh, I don't have that yet. How is how is that one? Is it pretty cool? It's cool. Like <laughs> like most bass synthesizer pedals, it seems to sound way better on guitar than bass. <laughs> which that's how the Boss one is, the uh, Digitech one, and also this Ibanez one. Like it's it's almost useless to me when I'm running a bass through it, but mm -hmm. on a guitar, it's rad. Nice, nice. What is a what's your favorite seven series that you have at the moment? Um, surprisingly, I would say right now it's uh, the Smashbox. Is that the uh, name dude? Of yeah, the Smashbox is yeah. a awesome distortion. It's so good. We ended up we ended up using that one a lot on this record, um, which was surprising because I hadn't really used it a ton before that. But I know we use that one, and we use the lo-fi mm -hmm. on uh, one little overdub thing that I wrote. Um, and that one's pretty useful, too. Just like that one you can use on any instrument, and it's cool. What does it do but exactly? Yeah, Smashbox. Yeah, the, the lo-fi. It's lo kind of just like, a, kind of like an EQ, I guess. It adds a little dirt, and you can thin stuff out. Okay, and, gotcha. um, yeah. So, uh, but you it were, has a switch oh. for drums and you know guitar and I think vocals. So, okay, they I need to look that into in mind. that one. Like, yeah, it's a good one. One of the things we were talking about uh, yesterday before we were recording is you your project for this week was uh, possibly going to be assembling a pedal board for the the upcoming tour. Do you have an idea what that's going to look like? Yeah. So. Uh, I went through the record again yesterday and took a bunch of notes as far as things I'd have to change on my existing board to uh, accommodate the new songs. And so the main thing that the biggest change is going to be using um, the boss switcher with the built-in effects. I think it's the MS3 Yeah, that, yep. that came out a couple years mm -hmm. ago. Um, so... I'm going to be using both modes of that, like stop box mode for most of my modulation sources, and then a couple of the preset things that I'll write uh, for multi-effects kind of stuff. I don't know how much I'll do as far as uh, using the effects loop portion of it, mm -hmm. but uh, it's cool because it's basically replacing a whole row of pedals on my board, So, which is nice because then I can add. Uh, other things add more pedals in later yeah yeah <laughs> more <laughs> more fuzz pedals and uh a couple delays and i've started to figure some of that stuff out too um the delays is going to be the trickiest one how so uh well so there's one song where i use the boss version of the space echo Mm -hmm. And it has that, um, you know, when you hold the pedal down, it does the fake like tape oscillation thing. Mm -hmm. And it's a very specific <laughs> sound. But I, I used to use that pedal live, but I hate the input stage thing on it. The input yeah. knob that you can drive. Like, I wish there was a way to bypass that. Because um, it's always just getting blown out by when, mm -hmm. you know, as soon as you turn on a distortion or something. Yeah. Um, so I started researching other pedals that can do that. So I'll probably use the Earthquake or Avalanche run or maybe try the brand new Boss DD8 that does has that same uh, effect in it. But I think to do that, you might need an external foot switch. So I don't know. The Avalanche run will probably be the one. The Avalanche run is a magnificent pedal. So that is a yeah, it's a good choice. It's it's so good. Anything EQD is is hard. It's hard to go wrong with those those people over there. They're amazing. Oh yeah, they make a lot of awesome stuff. I've been using the Swiss things a lot on my baseboard, um, which saves a lot of tap dancing. 
Um, how, how do you have that set up? So um, I have all my dirt pedals on the first uh, loop. So mm-hmm. there's a, a MXR bass octave fuzz and a, a Earthquake or Westwood. And then on the other loop, I have the Electroharmonics Mellotron pedal and the Oregon one. And then I'm using the Keeley, I think it's the Caverns, the delay reverb thing. Yeah. Yeah. So those keyboard pedals kind of need some kind of effect on them. So uh, that's in the second loop. So I can have both those come on at the same time with just one switch. Cool. Um, yeah. And then running out to a couple other pedals from there. Um, one of the things I, uh, I, I did, uh, well, 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 we should save that. That's food. Um, I, I posted <laughs> in, in, in the, the Tone Mob Facebook group, uh, a few people had some questions for you. Um, okay. Uh, I didn't, of course, because I'm uh, a jerk. I did it like two minutes before we were going to record. So there's not, <laughs> that, not that many, not that much opportunity for people to respond. But, um, one thing I actually don't know what, uh, what this guy's referring to. So this might open up a good line of questioning. Uh, Sean Bohannon wants to know, he says, ask about the rare Ibanez bass. So oh, I don't, okay. he has a few other things, but I, since we're still in the gear section, I, I, I want to know what the rare Ibanez bass is. So the rare Ibanez bass is, I don't even know what the model name of is, but if you know that artist series they did with the kind of fancy like inlays and designs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So this bass is kind of like a hybrid between like um, a Gibson, like EB and a Rickenbacker. So oh. um, it's got uh, those kind of pickups, like a, a big one and then like a Rick style. Um, really cool inlays. Uh, it has star dots on the frets. And um, it has a crazy uh, built-in distortion that you could switch on. And also at the bridge, it has uh, these felts that you can raise and lower uh, for... There's one for the low strings and one for the high strings. Um, And it weighs a ton. It's probably the heaviest bass I own. Um, I tried playing it live for a couple shows and... It was, I didn't want to buy one of those straps that has the shoulder pad in it. So <laughs> I ended up, <laughs> I moved on to, I got a Gibson Ripper, which has been phenomenal. Um, oh, yes. But yeah, th- it was a weird uh, eBay find. And I think I paid, it wasn't a ton of money. It was like maybe $700 or something um, for this base. Because I was obsessed with uh, Ibanez Lawsuit era stuff. Oh, yeah, that, of course. So that base came up in that save search and uh, I bought it and I haven't seen one for sale since. And I tried researching it online and I think I only found two other people that had it. I think one guy posted a YouTube video of him playing it. Um, but yeah, there's there's not a lot of info that I could find on it. Do you know, is this from like the lawsuit era? Is this from the seventies or, or about how old do you, or do you have any I, idea? I think it's late seventies or so it could be even er, very early eighties. Like, um, I'll send you a photo <laughs> after this and you can check it out. I'm um, very curious. Yeah. It, it's rad. It's, it's looks really cool and, and sounds really good. Awesome. Moving on, moving on from there. Uh, what's the amp journey been like? Where'd you start, and uh, where are you with guitar and bass amps these days? Um, well, Best Coast Live, I use uh, early '80s Mesa Boogie uh, two. Um, it's the one with the like rattan grill, and it's wood grain, and oh, it's a one fifteen, yes. 15, which is perfect because. There's a lot of baritone guitar in Best Coast on the early stuff. So uh, it's great for for having a baritone guitar. And it just any guitar sounds great through it. When I'm picking amps, I just want something that's clean because, you know, everything's coming from the pedals. Mm-hmm. So 
uh, I don't want something that's going to break up really easy. And that's why I love Mesa Boogie stuff is, um, you know, for backline, I'll usually use a Boogie Lone Star. And Beth, our other guitar player, she uses that uh, too. A Lone Star. um, Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, Bass amps, I kind of... I have an 80s carbon head that I use a lot. Um, it's a solid state, has two channels, has graphic and parametric EQ, which is nice. And built-in compression and distortion, which I don't really use, but it's a a tank. Like It's the first bass head I ever bought, and it still is working great. And that I've had it for, I think I got it in like, 98 or something like that um, gotcha yeah i'm in the market for a bass amp at the moment too i just uh i just t- took home a uh, p bass yesterday from my buddy leon's studio uh mm-hmm. it's been it's been it's it's a really funny bass and i'm probably gonna it's not funny it's a totally normal <laughs> like like fender p bass like mexican p bass but why, mm-hmm. why it's funny to me is because it's been his, in his studio for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. And and I've, you know, I've been in and out of that studio for, you know, longer than that. But it's like, it, it's funny to me because we have no idea who it belongs to. And, <laughs> and we've asked, it, you know, it's not like a, a pro studio where there's going to be, you know, hundreds of clients in and out. It's just like a handful of local, you know, people. And we've asked everyone who's ever recorded there, basically, as, as far as I'm aware, who it, who it might have belonged to. And everyone's like, nope, not mine. Wow. I think it's I, I actually think it's belongs to one of those guys and they just forgot about it because uh-huh. they don't play because <laughs> they don't because they don't play anymore. But, uh-huh. but but I was like, I need a bass. He's like, just come get this thing. And now I'm <laughs> sitting here. I'm sitting here looking at it while we're recording and you're talking about bass amps. It's like right in front of my face. <laughs> and so I'm like. Hmm. All this bass amp talk is starting to get my my gear acquisition syndrome flared <laughs> up. Flared up again. I'm not sure what I need for it, but I'm 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 you you had you had me interested in that that carbon. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it, it is great. Um, trying to think what other things I have. I have a Sun Beta bass. There you go. That's my business right there. It's awesome. Um, I have a f- really funny um, solid state flip top ampeg um i didn't know they did that i didn't either it was a random guitar center used fine um but yeah i actually used that we just we did a tv show thing a couple months ago where we were like the house band on Mm -hmm. this fake talk show and that's what i used for it and it's it sounded surprisingly good is that like a 90s thing I'm starting to like have these it has weird, to be like, like, wait, maybe I have seen this before. <laughs> it, it's it got to be, you know, early 90s or like a late 80s thing. Um, but yeah, it's nice and light and sounds pretty good. And just the idea of like, oh, we'll make another flip top, but it's going to be this weird solid <laughs> state thing that probably no one is going to want. Basis won't know. They won't know the difference. We'll just make it a solid <laughs> yeah. state. No one will be able to tell. Yeah. It'll, it'll be a yeah. mystery. So you but mentioned you like to to get like you kind of liked collecting, uh, especially in the early days, like like more like affordable, easier to find oddball things. And I'm really into that, too. Uh, as such, I I have kind of an affinity for some of the early 90s DOD pedals. Do you have any of those? Oh, yeah, I have most of them uh, oh. from that era, like uh the buzz box meat box meat box i got for 25 dollars. like Score. i would i was super into buying dod stuff uh like they people would just laugh at me at some of the stores they're like you really want this thrash master or whatever this was in the 90s when everybody just wanted you know old electro harmonic stuff or whatever um but yeah, there'd be a couple shops that just had buckets with random pedals in it. A lot of it was DOD stuff and they'd be like 25 bucks or whatever. And I'd buy, you know, whichever ones I could afford at the time. But yeah, I have a lot of the 
I guess they're the Lamb series. Um, like, uh, yeah, those are all awesome. Uh, um, I love the. Do you know the stereo reverb DoD? The like magenta colored one. No, that I one don't. is is really cool. Um, it's just it's it's kind of like a bad like. It's more like a really just a, like a short delay and not really a reverb, but okay. um, it it sounds awesome. I love running drums through it because you get kind of like. I don't know, this kind of weird, like, Joy Division-y kind of affected thing with it. Or, like, uh, the Beach Boys song, Do It Again, it has that drum intro. And mm-hmm. you could totally get that sound with the DoD stereo reverb. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I've I've never saw, I've, I've never seen that one in the wild. Like, our... I got when I first started getting really into pedals, I was kind of like you. It was like, oh, here's this bucket. Of, I mean, I can get like three of these for $40. This is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like, this is fantastic. Um, but yeah, the one the one that I, I felt and I still really, really love is the FX 96, the the analog delay. Uh, oh, I think yeah. The, it's so the, like good. Uh, the purple tape looking one. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. It's yeah, that uh, one is awesome. It's kind of an unsung hero. Like it's it's got the same chips and stuff as the the more sought after like the DM2s and things like that. It's got that same stuff in it, but it's you can usually pick it up for like 60 or 70. dollars Like it's starting to their prices have really come up on them. Now they're like 70 dollars instead of 40, but uh it's uh yeah. people are starting to get get hip to some of that stuff. I know I've noticed a lot of DoD prices going up just kind of across the board, which is a bummer, but you know, I eventually happens to everything these days. I feel like nothing stays secret anymore. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, <that's... laughs> in the age of the internet, there's, there's, you know, morons like me talking about, I'm always posting the D seven on Instagram and people are like, Shh, stop posting the D seven. I'm like, but I love it. And you all deserve to know. Yeah. Um, it's weird. It's a weird thing. So let's see. Let's dive back in and see if anybody's uh, had a chance to respond in the the old Facebook group here. So uh, we got uh, Tom Kelly. Uh, you know, uh, he's a big supporter. So thanks, Tom. Uh, he wants to know what was it like to be on the Orion Festival because that is how he f- discovered you guys. Oh, crazy! Uh, that was awesome. Like the day that we got asked to do that was just insane because so we got the offer to play orion festival and we also got asked to do uh some green day thing i can't remember if it was i think it was to play billy joe's birthday party oh wow yeah like um yeah yeah i'm pretty sure that's what it was um, which we did. We were like his surprise birthday present from his wife because I guess he liked Besco. So um, they rented out this bar and uh, we just set up on the floor and played a set for him and got to meet him. And he was super stoked and like blown away that his wife did that. And the funny thing is that Lars and Kirk from Metallica were there too. Oh, wow. And- there's a, a picture of me <laughs> with my back to Kirk Hammett because once I realized he was watching me play guitar, I couldn't look in that direction. <laughs> I, <laughs> like It would have tripped me out too hard. Um, but they were super nice. And Lars especially, like I told him after our set, it was like, oh, we're playing your festival. Like, I'm so stoked, but I'm like nervous, you know. And he's like, why are you nervous? Like, we're just a bunch of old drunk dudes. Like, <laughs> it'll be fine. <laughs> it's like, okay. Um, like, yeah, but you're Metallica, but though. That's, I know. Yeah. <laughs> old drunk yeah, dudes so, or not, you're still Metallica. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's like, to this day, one of the best festival experiences I've ever had. Uh, they treated everyone so well. Everything was run really great. Um I got to meet the guys in Torch there and 
uh, Matt from Landmine Marathon. And it was crazy because Ghosts, we got to play on Metallica's main stage. So Ghosts was before us, and then it was us, then Eric Church, and then Metallica. So, you know, we, we played on the stage where, like, they had the the big, like, walkway or, like, snake pit. I think they were still doing that. I don't remember. Um, but, yeah, that it was. it's just crazy because growing up, Metallica was, like, one of my favorite bands. And Cliff Burton is still one of my favorite bass players. And uh, the first night of the fest, they played Ride the Lightning in its entirety. Wow. Uh, which was killer because i think it was only the second time they ever played the song escape um which i actually like that song i know they don't like it <laughs> they're like we we're only playing this because we have to um but i think every song on that record is great um yeah, but yeah great orion album. was awesome we got to see Lars's dad who we're obsessed with because of some kind of monster Right. Um, <laughs> like in the studio, we're constantly saying delete it. Uh, <laughs> after, like, that's our go to if we're like, uh, not so good. Maybe it's, yeah, not so good. I would delete, delete it. that. Yeah. yeah, delete that. Delete it. <laughs> yeah. Is it, is it, no, this is kind of a, a, a weird thing. So I don't, I don't really go to festivals and I mean, mm-hmm. I guess, I guess I did, you know, I was a, I was a warp Tour kid, you know, so of uh-huh. course I was, at, I was at that as much as possible back in the day, but I don't really do the festival thing anymore. But what I've, I've noticed is that, and, and you can probably speak to this a little better than I can, that festivals used to be more like, okay, this is the metal festival and this is the, you know, pop power pop festival or this is the punk rock thing or whatever and now it seems like everything's just all together like it doesn't really matter anymore and it it, like it 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 struck me as weird and i kind of i i found i can't remember what what festival it was but i found what i considered to be an extremely strange lineup and i posted (laughs) the poster in in the group i was like i don't think any of these fans are gonna get along and everyone's like dude that's just how it is now and I guess I'm like, I guess I'm not paying attention. That is how it is now. It's have you noticed a change like that, or am I kind of imagining things? No, definitely. And beyond that, it's like a lot of festivals now it's almost like a tour where, you know, whatever festivals in which state, the lineup from one just kind of gravitates and moves on to this next festival. And so, yeah, there's there they feel a lot less unique now and less like curated mm-hmm. um which is a bummer i'd rather have smaller fests that have like a distinct vision than just these like you know here's a little bit of everything which is not that interesting i mean if you're going to be out somewhere all day and night like you would hope that you know, it's a whole day of just rad stuff you want to see. Like, uh, I I went to the Cures One Day Festival out here, and that was incredible because there were no competing stages. Uh, every band was great. You know, the Cure picked all the bands, and uh, oh yeah, so it's like Deftones, Pixies, Chelsea Wolf, uh, Emma Ruth Rundle, um, Mogwai. Well, that's I a just, fantastic lineup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Every band was good. The sound was amazing. Uh, The vibe was really chill. Like, um, and I, you know, I don't go to festivals a lot either, like only if we're playing them or if I'm working or something. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but something like that, I would consider going to if they did it again, even if I wasn't actually doing something at the festival. Yeah, I think that, I mean, that's just more attractive to me. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily just want to go see a bunch, like, I don't want to necessarily pay to go to a festival all day to see a band and a half that I might be interested in. You know, that's, that's what, why it always struck me as odd, because, you know, growing up with, with Warp Tour and OzFest and and those things when I was a teenager, it was like, oh yeah, there's like 10 bands I want to see at this. Yeah. So this is going to be awesome. Um, not, and I'm not trying to knock like anybody's thing. It's just people are into different stuff, you know, and I would, I would think that those would make more sense, you know, 
putting my marketing hat on, they're always like, try to niche down. And it seems like festivals are the opposite of, of niching down these days. It's kind of a, a, a trip. Yeah, hopefully there'll be more band curated things like that. Um, you know, I feel like it's going to shift eventually because it seems like even the, this way they've been doing it aside, you know, there's a lot of festivals that aren't happening anymore because it's like saturated. So you have mm -hmm. to, you do have to carve out like your own unique spot right now. I think if you want to do something successful in that realm, what would the best coast festival look like? Um, in, in the dream scenario, if you could just pick, <laughs> which I guess is a way of, of me asking what is, what are your favorite bands or artists? <laughs> um, let's see. It'd be like a lot of our friends, <laughs> bands probably like nothing. And, uh, Wilco, I'd want them to play Fiona Apple. Um, I don't know. I feel like it, our festival would be kind of diverse because me and Beth, you know, there's a lot of things we both like and then things that each of us likes that the other is not really into. Because mm -hmm. I definitely want, you know, some heavier bands to play too. But also I love like, you know, poppy indie rock bands. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a lot to think about. I know. I just but, dropped a whole thing on you. Like, just <laughs> yeah. tell me all the answers. Tell me all the answers. I want to know. Well, who are some of your favorite heavy bands? Um, I love nothing. I mean, there's a lot of heavy bands I like or they're um, that just don't play shows. So I wouldn't be able to like Leviathan or Zaster. Well, Zaster's like acoustic now, but the old Zaster stuff I, I really love. Um and Deftones are amazing still. Uh, I love Quicksand. Quicksand, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I probably saw every Los Angeles Quicksand show during their entire first run before they broke. I was at the show where they broke up, which was crazy. Oh, wow. I didn't know they broke up at a show. <laughs> Yeah, well, it wasn't like a dramatic thing. It was just like Walter walked on stage. Like, I think it was be the beginning of their set. And he was like, this is our last show. And then they played and that was it. Wow. That's yeah. so crazy. It's so crazy to think think about that stuff. It's just like, you know what? We're done. We're yeah. done. <laughs> like, and wow. No okay. No press release or anything. Like, we're just telling you guys and... You know, people will find out, I guess, after this. So, I, I yeah, one thing I, I guess we, we we could get into, like, we've talked about, like, we're, I've been trying to get you, like, to get me some of your favorites. But, like, what about influences? Who influences your playing? Because I know for me, um, my favorite bands, it definitely influenced me. But actually, the way I play is more akin to something that I don't even listen to, which is <laughs> which is kind of strange. But like how what? about you? Well, well me, I, well, for me, I, I, I listen to a, a lot of heavy, not, I mean, not, not just exclusively heavier stuff, but I, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I like a lot of heavy music uh, and I, that's just been where my head has been for the last year and a half for uh -huh. whatever reason. Um, and, um, but I, when I'm playing, it's always, it's always like shoegaze basically. Like it's uh -huh. like, synthy shoegazy weird weirdo spaced out stuff and that just comes from my obsession with effects pedals honestly yeah uh it's not but like that's not what i necessarily I, I do listen to that stuff sometimes but when i put on something i just like well i just had uh scott middleton from the band uh, cancer bats on they're one of my favorite mm. bands ever so like that's uh -huh. a good example i'll listen to something like that when i get in the car or when i'm going somewhere that's what gets me fired up and excited um yeah a lot um, of times for me, uh, yeah, when I'm playing at home, it's definitely not usually anything like Best Coast. Like, I, I think, yeah, because being into pedals and being into synthesizers, like, that's mostly if I'm going to jam out at home uh, just to play, I'll do things with those and not so much guitar stuff. Uh, but influence-wise, uh, Beach Boys, Fleetwood Mac... Uh, Lindsey Buckingham's like one of my favorite guitar players and 
I'm always referencing him when we're working on Best Coast stuff. Um, just that like totally makes sense. All the just so that, I mean, besides what he plays, it's like where he places things. You know, he's always he's never trying to compete with the vocal. He's always just kind of accompanying, and he'll do. You know, when it's time to solo, he'll do stuff or he'll throw in little runs in breaks when he can. Um, but yeah, just his approach and and also his tone is amazing too. And, you know, his his use of effects and stuff has been really ins- inspirational. Um, John Bryan is also a huge influence. I used to go see him play every week when he was doing that. And, uh, yeah, just his use of effects and just like how great of a player he is. And, um, you know, he can do anything pretty much on any instrument. Like he's, he's a for real genius. Um, and then, uh, the band Sparkle Horse is always like a reference thing for me and a band I still listen to a lot, just like, the production like all the cool like blown out guitar sounds on those records that are just whatever like plugging into uh an old reel to reel and lindsey buckingham would do that too and just cranking mm-hmm. it and there's your distortion um or playing through crappy amps and speakers to get a cool sound and uh what else early queens of the stone age like i love I really, really love the first Queens of Stone Age record. I think all well, the who fuzz. Doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, everybody's like always like rated R, songs for the deaf. But I think the first one to me is the most interesting one. And just like, I love the songs and all all those guitar tones on there and the style of drumming on it um, are things I think about a lot. Um, yeah. When I listen to them, I, I I inadvertently like always end up going back to like older like Kaya stuff. Like it's uh, just it's I don't know why. It's like I love Queens of the Stone Age, and then I'm like, but you know what I really want to listen to right now? <laughs> <laughs> and I just slide on over, which I guess is a probably a product of this digital age that we're living in. I guess that wouldn't <laughs> happen if I was uh, constantly slapping vinyls on, which I guess I'm doing that too, but not as regularly as cranking the tunes in the car. Yeah, so to speak. But you yeah. know what? I feel like I feel like we've hit the point in the show where it's perfectly fine. We've got enough uh, music and gear talk uh, <laughs> in, and we've closed. We're closing in on the last few few of the show, and we haven't even really talked about food. So, uh, since that is another subject that's near and dear to my heart and many of the listeners' hearts as well, uh, you say you like to cook. What do you? What are your yeah. favorite things to cook? What do you like to cook? Um. Let's see. So usually what I'll do is I'll just like kind of whatever meal prep. So um, lately there was this, uh, I think it was on basically the sub like Bon Appetit site. And they had a recipe for these um, like fish tacos. If you're having a group of people over how to make those, but I don't, I don't really like fish. So I adapted it to chicken and I had to stop myself from making it because I didn't want to burn myself out on it because I was just eating that like nonstop. So you're basically (laughs) making almost like a pesto, but it's with cilantro instead of basil and there's no nuts in it. Um, But it's like a lot of lime, a lot of cilantro. um, And you just, uh, I'll bake the chicken. You, You put it on the chicken before you bake it. And then you have some of the sauce for later. And you also, you also, there's a recipe to make a pico de gallo in that same cilantro base, uh, like pesto-y thing you make is also the base for the pico. And it's like the best pico de gallo. And uh, yeah, so I'll just make two sheets of that and eat that for like a week and a half. And then I like making a lot of just like simple salads. Like my Instagram is all like eating crazy burgers and like potato chips and stuff. 
But mm-hmm. when I'm at home, I try and balance it out and be really, <laughs> really clean and healthy. So there's a lot. Of I try to do, yeah, the same thing. Things. I nobody wants a picture of a salad though. Like no one, exactly. no one cares. Yeah, yeah, it's not exciting. But um, <laughs> so yeah, just really simple things. I love arugula, so that's my go-to. Is like arugula with uh, there's um this pear vinegar that is really good so i'll put that on the arugula you know uh shave some parmesan on there and then throw in some tomatoes or whatever like um i make that a lot or just like a middle eastern like cucumber kind of salad thing and but i don't know i i try and change it up a lot like there was a phase where i was just making a lot of japanese influence stuff Mm -hmm. um like yakitori and uh mushroom salad um and yeah or sometimes i'll just make a bunch of italian stuff it's just like uh i don't know sometimes it's influenced by like what i either i watch a lot of like uh cooking videos so if i see a recipe even if i don't want to make that exact thing it'll kind of influence like what i'm gonna make for the week sometimes gotcha you watch a lot of you watch a lot of cooking shows or you just kind of browse around you find something on Instagram and start doing some research. Oh no, I watch like I watch binging with Babish. I love that. I love a lot of the BA Test Kitchen videos. Yes. Um and then on the other side of that there's a channel called The Wolf Pit where this guy he does some cooking but he mostly tries things you buy at Dollar Tree. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm really into that. Like, it's yeah, like dollar like ribeye steaks. Um, they have those. Which, yeah. They look. My Dollar Tree does not have steaks. My local dollar store doesn't yeah, definitely I mean, not have steaks. <laughs> I feel like steaks I don't even know if they have be, a refrigerator. <laughs> steak should definitely be in, with quotations around it because it just looks like. <laughs> thinly shaved like a piece of beef um with a bunch of fillers in it a bunch of water and a bunch of water and corn yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, (laughs) just kind of glued together yeah uh what is it textured vegetable proteins uh, tvp oh that doesn't sound yeah i forgot about that term that's a bad term that's just a bad that's a bad phrase Ooh. Yeah, and before he eats this stuff, he goes over the ingredients, and he kind of gauges his expectations around what's in it. Um, so yeah, his channel is crazy. That that hurt my insides just to hear. <laughs> I don't know, but I will be watching some of those videos later today. Yeah, so thanks check for him that. Out. <laughs> it's Wolf with it with an E. Wolf with an E. All right. Yeah. Um, I've been into the burger show, the first we feast one. Mm-hmm. Um, that one's really good. So I feel like I would be in trouble if I didn't ask you, though, a little bit about, you know, you do post a lot of chips and burgers. So what uh, are like right now? What are your favorite? What's your favorite burger? What are your favorite chips? Um, For burgers, my go to's uh, that I love are. Tommy's, which is like a stand out here. It's a chain. And they specialize in chili burgers. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really thin patty. This kind of like uh, beanless chili uh, that's really good. Um, I love Grilla Mall, which is the metal-themed burger place out here. Uh, I love that. They're, they do a burger of the month, which I usually try and get, which is always something crazy. Um, but yeah, the Grill Mall is really good. The whatever blend of meat they're using down there is just so good. Like, even if you just get you know a non crazy burger, it, it's still awesome. Uh, I love Oinkster. That's another place in my neighborhood. Uh, we got to do a burger collaboration with them when our last record came out. And that was like oh. a career high point. <laughs> and the worlds they brought are it back last year. Yeah. So yeah, we did a Best Coast Burger of the Month with them, which was 
kind of like if you've ever had like Asian pepper steak, it was like those yes. kind of flavors. So like uh, mushrooms with soy sauce and uh, peppers and chilies on a burger. And I forget what cheese was on it, but um, it did really well. People really liked it, which uh, made me happy. Um, and then if I really want to go nuts, I'll go to Gus's Barbecue. And they have a burn ends burger. So it's pretzel roll with the burger, some burn ends, and then a cheese sauce and jalapenos. And uh, it's magnificent. I know you can't but, see me right now, but that's good because I'm <laughs> drooling all over the place. That sounds so good. Oh, yeah. and it's lunchtime. So I'm extra fired up right now. Wow. Yeah. That, Yum. That that one is one of the, I think that's one of the best burgers around. That sounds phenomenal. All right. To bring it back to gear for just a little bit, just to, All right. uh, just for a minute, I promise. Uh, I got to ask you, I got a couple classic questions that I asked to, to round out the podcast and we're, we're about at that time. So, okay. What is your favorite boss pedal? Oh man, this is tough. I know it's a difficult one for a long time. It would be the PS three, like hands down. Um, that pedal just does so much cool stuff. Um, that was like the first delay I had where I found out if you're moving the rate, you can get like cool glitchy effects. Um, and then it does all the cool pitch shifting stuff. And, uh, but Right now, uh, I love the uh, Digital Dimension Chorus. That's like mm -hmm. my favorite sounding chorus right now. That's on my board. Uh, I don't know if it'll stay on there now that I'm using the Boss Switcher thing. But um, it's either that or I got really into the Digital Metalizer pedal. I never um, played that thing. Oh, it's awesome. You get built-in chorus and delay and metal distortion um <laughs> is it, it digital the digital this distortion section is digital i don't or just I, the mod, the mod i think the modulation is the digital part um oh okay but that's yeah, always threw me off <laughs> when we were making this record our producer uh carlos de la garza he was like you know i thought when a I found out we were doing this record together. Like I'd be turned on to all these boutique pedals, but actually the ones he, like he ended up buying the digital metalizer after we used it. And I also was big on the, um, what is, Oh, the DOD hard rock distortion, which is mm -hmm. the distortion with the built-in analog delay. Um, love that one. Now I need the turbo, which is the digital and distortion DOD pedal. Yeah, the turbo is cool. I've never played that other one. That's that's I didn't know that had an analog delay in it. Now I'm Yeah, it, it's rad. Gotta get the, the those, <laughs> yeah, those <laughs> ones are, are still affordable. All right, let's see. Uh the last question. Are you ready? Yep. This is a this this is sort of related, but this is the one that that people get real real dicey <laughs> about. <laughs> What's your favorite kind of pizza? Oh, deep dish. Oh, don't hear that too often. Deep yep. dish, Chicago style. Love it. Yeah. What do you have to say to the people who say that that's not technically pizza? Uh, they got too much time on their hands if they're worried about okay. it. <laughs> what they need to get out more often. And what is not. I love them both. Like, you know, the, people always have to make it like this. No, it's this or that. It's like. I love New York slices. I love, you know, whatever, any crappy delivery pizza. Like pizza is just so good across the board, I feel like. Uh, but deep dish is my favorite. Do you have Specifically, a, a particular restaurant? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Zachary's deep dish pizza in Oakland, California is the best. It's even more than any of the Chicago ones I've had. That oh, one wow. to me is the ultimate there's just something about the dough and the tomato the tomatoes they use are just the way they're seasoned 
is so good. Um, so yeah, Zachary's deep dish pizza is my favorite. Sweet. Well, this is awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on and hang out and be a nerd with me. Cause (laughs) otherwise I have no one to be a nerd with. I'm here by myself in this space. Uh, this was great. Really, it was really a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Um, Thanks. Where would you like people to go to find you to find any information? This is your your opportunity to plug away whatever you would like. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Bob Brujo, or just search by my name. You'll find me. Um, and uh, it's the Best Coast website. <laughs> I've bestcoats.us i think it is i don't know i never go on it but i think i think that's what it is um but yeah mostly instagram is where you can see me post gear pics and food pics that's pretty much all it is there's that's, like maybe hey, sounds like sounds like one, my feed one selfie maybe is on there everything else is cool records well, i can I can tell you it's not bestcoast.us. <laughs> Thanks for I just looking tried that up. To get to it. I think it I was, was like, for, let's check this out. It was briefly. I don't know what it uh, is now. I have to I have to find it now. Now I'm curious. Yeah. I'm furiously Googling. My thumbs are, are just going. <laughs> it's just going. What is the website? It's bet oh bestcoast.net. There we Dot go. Net. Bestcoast.net. There you go. Found it. So yeah, right. you can. I was, I was see. like, great, everyone's gonna look for that, and it's not gonna be there. <laughs> yeah, there you go, bestcoast.net. You can, you know, all our tour stuff, merch, whatever is up there. Perfect, perfect. All right, thank you so much, Bob, and you, sir, are welcome back anytime, whenever oh, you feel like it. It'd be great. It'd be great to Love- do it in person if we could. If you're ever coming through Portland. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'll be there next month early december with i'll be guitar teching for nothing so i'll be there then cool well Um, we'll we'll try to we'll try to fist bump and if not best coast in march we'll be there all right sounds good man cool all All right right, everybody for bob this is blake and as always folks good luck and good tones bye all right there you go another episode in the can wrapped up put a bow on it put a fork in it whatever else you want to say that's what we're doing um i hope you enjoyed this episode and guess what if you need more if you'd like to help keep the show going if you'd like to help support the show there's more on patreon and more with me and bob that's right he stuck around and hung out with us hung out with me i guess hung out with yeah me and the patreon folks he hung out with them for a little while and it's all over there so for just five dollars a month you get extra episodes in your ears weekly Oh, yeah, we're bringing fresh extra content to all the Patreon subscribers. Plus, if you go over there now, there's like over 60 episodes already there waiting for you. So if you're a binger, that's a perfect opportunity for you to get more content in your ears. Some of it's more interviews. Some of it is me and my good friend Justin Porter talking about uh, whatever kind of gear nonsense comes up. Uh, like gear news and things like that. And then occasionally I'll throw in a demo of some sort, uh, just an audio only demo. So you can really focus in on here, whatever piece of gear I'm trying to show you really sounds like. So yeah, that's that. Uh, Definitely please review this on iTunes. I know all that stuff is uh, annoying to hear all the time, but it really, really does help. And the most important thing you could do out of all of this is share it with a friend. If you could share this episode with one friend and just get it out there because the more people that are listening, I quite literally get paid by the download now. So um, the more people that can can help out and just download that episode, the, the better it's going to be for everyone involved. So thank you very much and talk to you next week. Bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and 
by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com slash stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.